This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go, hour three. It is a great day for talk radio. Uh, even better news, Danny was just mentioning with a forecast. We're slated to dip back down to minus 16 overnight, as you heard, but the high tomorrow, minus two. Wow, it's almost like we'll be in flip-flops and shorts again. And uh, showers on Sunday, which augurs well. I mean, listen, uh, we'll take it at this point. As much as I hate the showers, <laughs> I'm willing I'm willing to take that trade-off because uh, this interminable winter, it seems, is one where uh, we're just beat up after a while. Just dragging our tail out of January, made it to the 1st of February. You know it's Groundhog Day tomorrow. And uh, I guess if the sky is clear... Let me get this right. Uh, he sees a shadow. That means it's like six more weeks of winter because, you know, it's suggestive of a, a high pressure and uh, there's still cold in our midst and so on. And so this polar vortex. So six more weeks. I couldn't tolerate that. So uh, hopefully, you know, the woodchuck doesn't see a shadow or he's unionized and he can't get out of bed before noon and uh, nobody will be there when he comes out finally. We're going to send a couple guys over there, a couple of fat Tonys over there to the, the groundhog hutch. The day before? Well, you know... If you're smart, you won't see your shadow, pal. <laughs> we know where you live. Uh, the other thing, of course, is it's kind of folly to suggest he won't see a shadow. you got all kinds of satellite news trucks out there with 500-watt Klieg lights. You know, they're beaming down the hole. A guy's going to see a shadow even if he's six feet underground, for crying out loud. So, However, I did talk about the weather and how it's changing now, for the better, I guess. Uh, but there had been occasions earlier this week where the weather was wreaking havoc with a lot of people, certainly on Monday with the big snowfall and the immediate aftermath of that, uh, made conditions rather treacherous. And interestingly enough, it's also uh, the reason, I'm told, that gas stations had been short on the fuel supply. I thought they were just scamming me when the guy said, all I've got is the 94 in the well, and uh, when I went for the fill-up of the regular unleaded. And I thought it was just me. Then I started hearing other people's stories of uh, there's no fuel at the pump. And I thought, boy, that's peculiar. Is something going on? Well, let's find out exactly what it was in total. Dan McTagg has joined us on the line, Senior Petroleum Analyst with Gas Buddy. Dan, good to have you back on board. How are you doing? I'm doing fine and uh, fielding a lot of those calls and uh, able to help quite a few just by using the Gas Buddy app, which tells me exactly where I can find gas pretty much in every community. All right. Uh, that's the heads up and a word to the wise. But, uh, you know, I just took for granted that there was going to be gas at the local pump when I went there and the guy surprised me. Yep. Uh, so this was weather related, was it? Very much so. Uh, for, what, a day and a half, uh, roads weren't cleared. Those which were cleared uh, were full of traffic. Uh, you know, trucks uh, transporting gasoline and uh, Supreme and diesel from uh, the terminals to gas stations uh, were operating at probably only 10 or 15% of their usual uh, speed and, uh, and efficiency. So you saw a serious backlog at a, on a week where gas prices actually fell to some of their record low levels we haven't seen since October of 2016. So you had really a compounding of not just uh, you know difficulty getting through and managing uh, you know uh, jammed roads. You also saw extreme cold weather, and we're still seeing a little bit of it now. But that's uh, certainly made equipment move just a little bit slower. And all of these things have a, have a cost in a just-in-time system, which normally we haven't really had tested now in probably about four years. Last time I saw shortages uh, of uh, any magnitude that occurred in 2013 when uh, a very cold winter then caused uh, several uh, occasions where we had as many as 80 or 90 gas stations at any given time on a rotational basis that were not uh, that were not uh, served with fuel so uh, you know it's a bit it is concerning um, there are solutions 
But I think the thing here is, John, is not to panic. I think people who think that they have to go out and uh, fill it up because uh, there's a major supply problem uh, are kidding themselves and possibly doing uh, themselves no favours. The sooner we can get to the point where gas stations are topped up again, the faster we can get through this, and that could be as early as next week this time. Oh, okay, so there's still a lag time, and uh, I guess it was also compounded, as you say, by uh, the run on gasoline because it was so cheap. You warned us about that last week. I did, yep. Yeah, uh, got down below uh, a dollar, actually, in Toronto and some places in Mississauga. was hovering just above 90 cents. But you're saying, and I just wanted to repeat this in case somebody didn't hear when you were on with us last week, uh, we're going back up in April, right? We're going back up in April. We're actually going back up uh, as early as this Sunday. Uh, gas prices will fall two cents overnight. That's on the wholesale side. So I'm going to get people out there saying, yeah, but I can buy gasoline in parts of Oshawa for 82 cents a litre right now. Uh, no, I'm referring to the wholesale price uh, decrease as two cents tonight, back up a penny on Sunday, and start to look gradually through February, perhaps a, a, an average five cent uh, leader uh, increase up and down, but uh, overall a net five cent increase. March possibly another four or five cents, but April watch out the carbon tax as well as the shift from winter to gas uh, winter to summer gasoline, as well as uh, crude moving back up. Uh, you know this time last week, you and I couldn't have talked about what was happening in Venezuela. The U.S. government sealing off the financial assets of its main petroleum company, PDVSA. Uh, that really means that uh, there's going to be a tightening of supply of oil. Uh, certainly coming into the U.S. and around the world. So get ready for higher prices, uh, especially in April. Well, does that augur well for us? I mean, I know I'm sort of digressing here, but uh, since we're shipping the oil now by rail because we can't get it to Tidewater and we take the discount because we send it to the States, something like $25, uh, the gap between that and West Texas Intermediate, uh, are we going to see maybe the our barrel uh, increase in value because of supply and demand? Uh, I think you'll see the price of Western Canadian Select hold in the 40 range compared to 60 for the rest of uh, uh, the rest of North America. The gold standard being WTI. Uh, I don't think at this point, unless we have an approval of a pipeline and you know shovels in the ground to use an expression uh, with no obstructionists, then unless, save and accept until we get that, uh, you're going to see these huge discounts now. I see that the uh, Parliamentary Budget Office, uh, which took uh, exception to the Trudeau government's purchase of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, saying that uh, they overpaid by a billion, noted that for every $5 discount, uh, that's one-tenth to one-third of a percent of GDP. Bottom line uh, is that if we see another $40, $50 a barrel discount, you can look for the Canadian economy to probably be uh, hobbled uh, by about half of its uh, normal economic output. That's pretty serious for all of us. It for shows, our jobs, for our pensions, etc. Well, and shows just how vulnerable we are, dependent upon the price of a barrel of oil. It's a petro economy in large measure, isn't it? It very much is, and uh, we have been a petro dollar for uh, for some time. Of course, it does mean that the Canadian dollar has suffered uh, to some extent. 131 pennies to buy one U.S. dollar. Uh, that means the price of everything, all of our commodities, uh, and everything we purchase is now devalued by about 25-30%. This time last year, 126 pennies bought you a U.S. dollar. Today, it's about 130. It's gotten better, by the way, John, because of the Venezuelan issue and, of course, the curtailment in Alberta, where they've actually taken drastic measures to say, all right, we're going to stop our output because we can't get enough pipelines built to get it uh, to other jurisdictions, most importantly, outside of the United States. 
you know, the United States has gone from 5.5 million barrels of production seven, eight years ago to almost 12.5 million barrels. So they're they're going bonkers while we're basically, you know, naval gazing, looking in the air and saying, oh, well, we have to, you know, bring in uh, things uh, that are irrelevant, like gender equality and uh, emissions on a pipeline that has no emissions into the equation. We're only hurting ourselves financially as a country. Someone's going to have to wake up in Ottawa sooner or later, or it's going to mean the ruin of the country. Boy, am I talking to the real Dan McTagg? You sat in the wrong benches all those years, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> apparently, but uh, at that time in the 1990s, I thankfully worked for two prime ministers who understood the importance of Canada's energy sector, and it's one of the reasons we got out of a serious debt and, and the financial straits that we found ourselves in very early on. Yes, there were cutbacks, but uh, we also didn't denigrate the oil industry the way this government is. Dan McTagg is with us. Further to that question, you know, the Parliamentary Budget uh, Office saying that this pipeline that we bought for $4.5 billion uh, could be a pig and a poke. A, we overpaid uh, to a point you made. And then if uh, we can't get this built, uh, it's going to diminish, kind of diminishing returns uh, if it's tied up. Uh, And something like $700 million uh, for every year we lose. Uh, So this thing could turn out to be a real stiff. Yeah, a bad policy. And you know what? To cement that policy in place, I see the federal government is proceeding ahead with a Senate they call independent. Uh, they're actually liberals. Uh, I know most of them there. Uh, is going to prep, pass a bill, C-69, which will guarantee you'll never get another pipeline built in this country. Worse, even the clean stuff, the ultra-clean stuff that the world would give the right arm for, the, uh, the liquid natural gas, even those pipelines are being blockaded by the same crowd of individuals who uh, are saying no and we have courts and uh, organizations well funded from outside sources that are basically blocking uh, the ability for Canada, uh, it doesn't matter what province you're in, from realizing our ability to sell our resources to the rest of the world or resources the rest of the world really wants because we're pretty damn responsible in the way we produce them. Well, and let me just ask then, uh, because it's between you and me here, but you still have ties into the Liberal Party. What's Jerry Butts doing, former head of the World Wildlife Fund Canada? He's really, you know, the guy pulling the strings on this. Uh, Has he got it in for, you know, basically beggaring our economy because he's ideologically driven on environmentalism? Yeah, I think uh, we are, we're seeing uh, an attempt at trying to be you know, too cute by half. They're trying to be all things to all people. That's uh, one of the reasons they bring in things like social license at the same time and make a big deal about buying a, a, you know, a, a pipeline. No, their intention is clearly to shut down Canada's energy industry. And I say so uh, very much with uh, a heavy heart. I, I, I was a Liberalist 37 years working the trenches, going back to the days of my 78, 79, working for Paul Cosgrove, the housing minister. Uh, this is not the same Liberal Party, and it, uh, it clearly wants and it has waged war against the energy industry to an extent that uh, I think most Canadians are only becoming uh, familiar with the fact that by doing so, we're really undermining the very golden goose that uh, maintains our prosperity. Uh, the fact that we have $19, $18 billion in accumulated deficits for three years running is uh, just another symptom of a much bigger problem with a government that has uh, engaged in a silent but uh, very protracted uh, and very uh, cunning war against our energy industry. And this is Canadian assets. This is about Canadians uh, being able to take advantage of uh, the revenue that's derived from this vital industry that uh, really drives our economy, pays for our pensions, pays for our Medicare, uh, and gives point and purpose not just for Indigenous people, but for all Canadians to participate uh, in the wealth, uh, the collective wealth that we have together. So, yes, I'm deeply concerned about uh, the direction the Trudeau government has taken under the direction of people who frankly, are, uh, you know, very, very well-versed. We saw their handiwork in Ontario with the Ontario Hydro, uh, the Ontario Hydro Rates and Green Plan fiasco. 
uh, they're doing to Canada what they did here in Ontario, and they're leaving quite a mess. It's unfortunate, and I'm saddened to say it. So, Dan, what's your sense? Is this the, the defining election issue? Well, I think it very much is. Uh, that was a carbon tax that no one can afford, which will have no effect on reducing carbon emissions, which is really more than nothing more than a, you know an attempt at income redistribution at best, worse at uh, pilfering people who are really trying to make ends meet uh, and attacking, uh, you know, very much uh, a resource uh, that keeps us warm, that keeps our economy going, and keeps our func- uh, keeps our uh, uh, keeps our finances uh, in check. Uh, you know, without it, uh, I don't know how people are going to be able to uh, make ends meet. This rebate scam is not, in my view, acceptable. It's uh, far less than what I think most people are going to wind up paying. And on a cold weekend like this, uh, where of course your natural gas bills have gone through the roof. Uh, you have to be pretty much living in a in a hovel in order to be able to make uh, make do and certainly have uh, advantage over the rebate. And in other words, uh, the rebate will actually pay you more than what uh, what you're paying out. Um, I have been responsible for two energy rebates, both in 2000 and 2002. Um, I saw the shortcomings of some of those rebates. People who paid money actually didn't get anything back, and those who didn't received 150, 125, 250 dollar checks. Uh, I think they're going about it the wrong way, and uh, we'll see come April whether Canadians are going to be tolerant of uh, sunny ways when they can't afford to pay the bills. And what's illusory about it is you think, well, okay, we're going to get money back, but uh, the cost of everything is going to go up just because that's rippling through the economy uh, with the folks who are being taxed with the carbon tax. And I've got to ask you, because, you know, since we've got your undivided attention now, uh, you were in government, and... uh, the idea that these people who are promoting this today, though, uh, are they susceptible to, say, uh, the influence of foreign money, like from the Tides Foundation or Lead Now? Is there a lot of interference on that front? Well, I think there's no doubt, and that's been proven by people like Vivian Krauss. Uh, Alex Pearson, who uh, has done plenty of work on this as well, has uh, certainly featured her work as well. Uh, it's not on, uh, you know, it's certainly become far better known when the uh, uh, Wendy Mesley and CBC finally have to, you know, provide at least some balance to the reporting by suggesting that uh, there is, in fact, influence coming from some pretty significant organizations, things like the Rockefellers, for which we created antitrust legislation in the United States. I know a few things about the Competition Act here in Canada. Uh, Tides, you mentioned Sierra Club, uh, you mentioned Lead Now. There's no doubt that uh, Canada has been very open and receptive to and bent over backwards for, um, you know, all of these organizations who said that we have to do more. Well, look at Alberta, caps on emissions, uh, a carbon tax, a willingness to uh, to work uh, at ensuring uh, better remediation. There is no other jurisdiction in the world that has done it, is doing it, uh, and there's no other jurisdiction in the world that is uh, is being whipsawed. Uh, as we are, and we've allowed this to happen. Um, you know, the judicial activism has a little bit to do with it as well. Uh, the federal government was duty-bound to protecting and defending its decisions and its integrity on things like the Trans Mountain Pipeline before, you know, cutting off Northern uh, Gateway, before vandalizing Energy East. Uh, the Trudeau government uh, should have at least taken uh, the Trans Mountain issue straight to the Supreme Court of Canada and began the process of building. At the end of the day, it's not just the economy I'm worried about, it's the national unity. I think that's very much at play because we've allowed ourselves uh, to have foreign organizations interfere, not just in our legal process, but also in our democratic uh, levers. And that's creating a bit of a problem, I think, uh, coast to coast, where we have uh, a form of disunity I've never seen before. Uh, Certainly not in the since the 1980s. 
Boy, I really appreciate the broader conversation. Uh, who thought when we were embarking on uh, the price of regular unleaded at the pump, we would uh, go down this road, but it's uh, very instructive. Dan Mateg, uh is a senior petroleum analyst with Gas Buddy, also a former Liberal uh, member of Parliament. So uh, the app Gas Buddy will tell you where the gas is available, at what prices, and projecting forward as well. Yeah, download the app or you walk, look at the site, pick on, pick your town, look for anything that's no more than an hour old, and that gas station will still be open. So don't drive around. Look at the app. It'll save you time and money. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. Thanks, John. You got it. Dan McTagg again with Gas Buddy. Love it. A uh, lot of great information there. Uh, more brilliant insights coming our way on matters legal, including the latest where uh, the story Danny was mentioning on the news with this Bruce MacArthur investigation. As we know, uh, now he pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, eight charges, and uh, the sentencing is just a matter of days. But uh, the idea that there's also a Toronto police officer charged with professional misconduct connecting connected to that investigation. I've got some questions of Mr. Newberger next here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to The John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.